This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. It is Thursday, the 1st of August, 2019, the year being. Welcome to this new month, the very first day of August, and welcome to this newest edition of VORW International. This is a weekly program, oftentimes about an hour in length, give or take a few minutes usually, where we discuss miscellaneous topics. It's really a free-form program, though recently uh, we have been taking an emphasis on the paranormal, the unexplained, all that good stuff. Cryptids, UFOs, conspiracies, just, as I always like to say, general interesting stuff. But of course there always is room for other miscellaneous topics, and some of those will actually be covered later in today's broadcast. But I mean, so far, so far anyway, this format change of the program has been going, it's been going fine. There's really no complaints. Uh, response has been good, you know, people have been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. I've been having fun doing these. Of course, you always have your dissenters. Uh, before I get into the show today, one brief little anecdote I want to mention. And it's an important thing, whether you're a content creator or not. It's a something that you have to remember going into life. You can't please everyone. That is impossible. It's not going to work. And, you know, you look around you, you look at society, you look at really any aspect of it, and it becomes very evident, right? Yes, there are ways you can try to please or appease a vast majority of people, but there are always going to be people that are not happy, that aren't satisfied, and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you just, you, you can't. Because then if you make an effort trying to please the person that was dissatisfied, then you're probably going to have to change something. And then you're going to be displeasing other people. And it's going to be back and forth, and you're going to be pulling your hair out. Why can't I just, you know? And that's just the way that it is. So the best thing to do is you do you, you be you. And you know what? Just go with it. Right? It's your life. You are the one that controls this show. You're the one that makes the decisions. And you've got one shot at this. As long as you're not hurting others... As long as you're not harming others, right? That's my motto. I don't believe in any of that. As long as you're not doing those things, it's your life and you do you. And don't worry about trying to please everyone because it's impossible. So you do what you want to do. And that's what I do with this show. It's a free-form program. So if I want to talk about ghosts one night, then I will. And if I want to talk about bagels another night, then I'll do that. If I want to lecture about shortwave for 45 minutes, then I'll do that too. Might not be the best for an audience, but, it's, you know, if that's what I want to talk about, then I shall. Well, anyway, speaking of topics, tonight's topic is about dreaming. And, you know, it's a broad topic, and I'm going to narrow it down substantially, for those of you especially tuning in for the first time. Tonight's broadcast is going to be about predictive dreaming. And maybe you've heard about it, maybe you haven't. The name is one of those things that's really self-explanatory. Predictive dreaming, right? That deals with dreams that allegedly predict something. And it can be on a small scale, something that's just predicting an event. Uh, could be prophetic. Could be predicting something on a global scale. Or it could just be predicting something that relates only to your life. But a lot of people have been saying that they've been having dreams 
that showcase things, again, big or small, before they happen. It can be a full-blown vision of an event, could be a vision of a catastrophe, or it could be something small, and it'll really more or less trigger a sense of deja vu, like you'll dream of a certain place that you've never been to before. And then a week later, a month later, what happens, right? You see it. Predictive dreaming. Can you really predict things with dreams? A lot of people said that they have. And, you know, I do have an interesting experience anyway, that it wasn't necessarily a full-blown prediction, if you will, but I remember it is weird when you think about it, right? I remember in 2017, I had this one dream where, and look, you know, you know how it is. You have dreams that feel so realistic. I think we've all had them. Where you're dreaming, and it feels like this is real life. And when you wake up, you, you, you kind of feel like this really, truly happened. Sometimes you even need to just take a minute to make sure it was only a dream. And I remember in 2017, I had this one really realistic dream. It was scary. Where I remember I had a dream. I was framed for a terrorist attack. And I know it's serious, right? This is a really serious dream. And it was really scary. It was really disconcerting. It was terrifying. And my face was being thrown around in the news that I was the perpetrator of this attack. And it was like a bomb attack, you know? Someone planted a bomb somewhere and it went off. And Right? I was being framed as the perpetrator of this incident when I when I wasn't. And what happens to me a few months later, after this dream? In 2017, at that one Ariana Grande concert, a bomb goes off there, kills a bunch of people, and I am falsely portrayed as one of the victims of this attack. Now see, the dream didn't get it right. But my face was being spread around on major media, in news stories, on television, on radio. I was being reported falsely that I died in this bomb attack. Now, what are the odds? Yeah, they're slim. And they're certainly there. But to think that I had this hyper-realistic dream of somehow being falsely involved and accused of this, some sort of involvement in that type of incident, and then this really happens, and my name and face gets falsely spread around as being a victim. Coincidence, perhaps, probably, but I think it's really weird. And on the subject of dreams, that really got the gears turning. For so long, for so many years, I thought we knew why we dreamt. And I thought that it was conclusively, 100% scientifically proven that dreams were simply a means of cataloging your thoughts. And then I, I realized, I learned, we have no idea why we dream, and we have prevailing theories, yes, but we still don't even know why REM sleep exists. 
And all there is when, when it comes down to dreaming is theories. And when I, I realize that information, and you can look this up, it's, that's the truth. We just don't know at this point. It's all theories. And that's why so much research is done into it. It made me scratch my head legitimately, and it made me think, well, what if there's more to it? What if? I mean, we just don't know. I think one thing about people, a lot of people, myself included, is we're very curious. We want answers. And there's a lot of things today. And yes, we've had a tremendous amount of technological advancement in nearly every field in the last 100, 150 years. But all of that advancement does not mean we know everything. Has it given us lots of answers? Absolutely. And sometimes the best answer, we just don't know. And as a result, I think that frustrates us, and we try to convince ourselves that we know things that we really don't. And like dreams, I had convinced myself we knew what they were. I was, mis I was misled. I was mistaken. Like I said, there's theories we just don't know. This is one of those things that I, I am genuinely not sure about. I think that it's a way we catalog our thoughts. But, you know, that's where I would probably put 60% of my weight on. That it probably is a means of cataloging our thoughts and experiences. But there's some things that we just can't explain. And that just don't really make sense, don't really add up, that we just don't know yet. And because I've had my own experiences, seeing is believing. I put that other 40%, a substantial percentage, as a big question mark, as what-ifs. We just don't know. And let me read, if you will. And this comes from reputable sources. This comes from the International Association for the Study of Dreams, National Sleep Foundation, University of California, Santa Cruz, DreamScience.org, and also an expert Q&A program via PBS.org. It says there's many theories about why we dream, but no one knows for sure. Some research say dreams have no purpose or meaning, and are nonsensical activities of the sleeping brain. Others say dreams are necessary for mental, emotional, and physical health. Studies have shown the importance of dreams to our health and well-being. In one study, researchers woke subjects just as they were drifting off into REM sleep. They found that those who were not allowed to dream experienced increased tension, anxiety, depression, difficulty concentrating, lack of coordination, hallucinations, and weight gain. Many experts believe dreams exist to help solve problems in our lives, incorporate memories, process emotions. Is it a possibility, of course? If you go to bed with a troubling thought, you may wake with the solution. You may feel better about the situation. Sigmund Freud believed dreams are a window into our subconscious. Of course, he was very big into that. He believed that they reveal a person's unconscious desires, thoughts, motivations. He also felt that dreams were a way for people to satisfy urges and desires that were unacceptable to society. Perhaps there is merit to all of these theories. Maybe some dreams help our brains process our thoughts and the events of the day. Others may be the result of normal brain activity and mean very little, if anything. Researchers are still trying to figure out exactly why we dream. In short, we just don't know. And that 
When I first read that, it blew my mind, because again, I, I used to think, like, this was down, that we knew for sure why we dreamt. No, we, we don't know. Isn't it crazy? You learn something new every day, dear listeners. You're listening to VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Today's broadcast is on predictive dreaming. And now that we have, I think, good basic knowledge of dreams, what they are, and what little we know about them, and also what predictive dreams are, we're going to be going over to you, the listening audience, and we're going to be hearing some of your experiences about predictive dreams. Uh, Some of the dreams that you have had that maybe have predicted something, have foreshadowed, forecast something, and just your miscellaneous thoughts on the matter as well. If you are listening in, your feedback on the show so far is welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com Phonetically, that's Victor, Oscar, Romeo, Whiskey, India, November, Foxtrot, Oscar at gmail.com So you can send in your feedback there. And allow me to introduce the topic and question for next week's program. This is one that I mentioned a little bit, I think, two or three shows ago. And it's one that I really do... I mean, I I have been passionate about this one. And it always circles its way back to me. I mean, it always has. I'm specifically thinking about Bigfoot. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, the Skunk Ape, the Yeren, the Yowie, you name it. Seen all over the world. That very large, usually bipedal, often ape-like, hairy, humanoid creature. Here's my question for all of you listening in right now. Number one, have you ever had an encounter or an experience with a Bigfoot, Sasquatch, any of those creatures or derivatives? So if you have... Or if you know someone that has, write in. And if you, it's, it's, of course, this has to be something that you feel comfortable sharing, right? And if you don't, but you know of a friend who does, or a family member, let them know this is a perfect platform for them to share their experiences. And secondly, even if you have never had an experience with Bigfoot or any of, any of his cousins... Do you think these creatures exist, or do you think that they ever have existed? All right, the way to get your feedback submitted is to email me, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. You can submit your response and experience in writing, or you can record the audio. I think sometimes it would be easier to just get a microphone or your phone or whatever. Like, you know, just conversate it, enunciate it out. And also it's a way to really get your voice on the air. A lot of people have really been big fans so far of hearing the voices of the listening audience on the air. And it's just a good way to share your thoughts. So whether you are an adamant believer, or if you think it's all BS, send me your thoughts, your experiences, and your feedback. And again, if you want to record it, uh, just send me the audio file. Record it any way you want. As long as the audio gets to me, that's what matters. And with that out there now, 
Let's go over to you guys, and let's hear your thoughts on predictive dreaming. We do have some audio submitted, thanks to our wonderful listeners. Let's go over to Evo in New York City with his thoughts. Uh, I don't have any experiences with dreams coming true after I've had them, or anything you know, out of my control coming true or anything like that, but I do have some weird experiences um, from when I was a kid up until kind of recently. Uh, I had, whenever I would get sick and have a, anytime I had a fever as a child, I would inevitably have these incredibly uh, vivid and it's like psychedelic is the only way to describe it, these psychedelic dreams that were kind of uh, half waking. Sometimes I'd wake up and they would kind of bleed into reality a little bit. And they were very uh, sensorial, too. And I mean, like, uh, that the dream itself might be that everything I touched felt as if it was uh, very sharp or hard, you know, even my pillow. And um, I would have these intense visuals of, you know, very specific things, and they would all, like, accumulate up to seeing this sort of in, infinite infinite uh, stretching line out into a void and if I it felt like razor thin and if I uh, touched it I would be sucked into this kind of like one dimensional uh, like roller coaster ride into infinity and it would be very kind of painful it would be that kind of hard feeling that I was talking about but all over my body and then I'd wake up and uh, you know have to try to shake myself out of that but anyway the weirdness about it is that when I was a kid I distinctly remember trying to articulate what these dreams are very difficult to describe what they were like to my dad when I was sick and before I could even finish describing this infinite line kind of thing he said uh, did you see the infinity line and it turns out after we were talking a bunch about it that he had extremely similar, not exactly similar, but extremely similar dreams that he would have as a kid when he was, uh, when he would get sick. And I just think that's so interesting that there's maybe some kind of similarity in how our brains are, are built or something that it would produce the same types of, of, uh, dream hallucinations. My dad thinks it's something, has something to do with epigenetics. I don't tend to really subscribe to that as a fully factual uh, or at least proven uh, realm of science, but I, I def definitely think that there, as we understand our brains more and how, how dreams work, we might understand something a little bit more about the structure of dreams and whether it is something that could be possibly passed between generations. And that was from Evo in New York City sharing his experience. I think that was very interesting. At, at first, you know, the first thing that came to mind, of course, was lucid dreaming. But then the more you described it, you know, the less it seemed like that. Whereas with lucid dreaming, of course, you have this full sense of control of, of your surroundings for the most part. Whereas this, it seemed as though you were almost in some sort of psychedelic void. And it's interesting also that you mentioned that you really had these when you were young and when you were ill. And I wonder if maybe age and essentially the state of your body, health-wise, uh, could perhaps influence this, the best way to put it. 
I think it was interesting, though, that someone else in your family had them also. Of course, I imagine as a kid it's very difficult to articulate it, but I think that's really interesting. All right, thank you for sharing your thoughts, Evo. Uh, we do have a regular correspondent, Eric, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's great to hear from you again, Eric. Let's hear your thoughts. Hey there, John. Eric in Atlanta again. Wanted to weigh in on this week's topic. I just want to start by saying personally, I do not believe in psychic abilities or anything of that nature. Uh, I think that a lot of times when people say they've dreamed an event and then it occurs, that they are manipulating their own memories without realizing it. We know scientifically that memory is incredibly fallible. That we will change it without realizing it to suit our needs or what we need to believe. I think that a lot of times people will have a dream that is similar to something that happens in real life. And it's similar enough that it triggers that part of the brain that makes you say, oh, I remember this. This, this has happened. And they want it to be that so badly that maybe their subconscious manipulates the memory to fit that agenda more specifically. There is no evidence on earth that psychic powers or psychic abilities exist, but there is evidence that dreams and memory are fallible and can be subconsciously altered to suit our current agenda, if you will. Thank you, Eric. Having an objective view of things, always appreciated. All thoughts and opinions are appreciated on VORW. All are welcome. Let's go over to some written correspondence. Taylor in New Jersey is writing in, and she says, In regards to ever having a premonition in a dream, I sort of had. When I was five, my great-grandmother died in the hospital. That morning, I had dreamt that a woman in her 30s came to me, and she was saying goodbye and how much she loves me. It was very peaceful. Even though I didn't recall ever seeing her face before, it was like I just instantly knew who she was. It ended pretty abruptly, though, and I was left just lying awake. Soon I was sobbing and walked out into the living room, saying, Grandmom's dead. She died. My other grandma was at the kitchen table, really confused. She said, No, no, she's just sick in the hospital, Taylor. Don't worry. I still insisted, but eventually calmed down. Then my mom wakes up, and soon after... My grandmother answered a phone call from the hospital. My great-grandma had just died about an hour before I woke up. I knew that she passed before anyone else did, and I remember that morning so vividly, and the dream too. My family was so freaked out by me for a while, they asked me a ton of questions I had no answer. Especially as a little kid, I just don't understand it at all, and I'm still confused over the whole thing. So thank you for writing in, Taylor. It's interesting that you mention that, you know, I mean, when it comes down, of course, to death and, and what happens after, we just don't know. You know, we just, we just don't know what happens to our energy, our souls, you name it. One thing that I've always thought, because, you know, so many experiences happen when we're kids, especially when we're young, a lot of odd experiences. It's a proven fact, of course, that our minds are developing rapidly at that age, I personally believe that there are many, many, many things in the universe that we are unable to sense, but what if in some ways, when we're very young, it's just food for thought, just throwing it out there, 
Somehow the way our minds are, we're more susceptible to being able to detect certain messages or energies. That's why so many of us have these little experiences when we're kids. We can't when we're older. I mean, who's to say? But I think that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you for sharing that, Taylor. Let's go over to Amelia in Finland. She writes, The last precognitive dream I had was back in junior high. Currently, I'm 19. And the dream was about a trip to the beach during a biology class. In the dream, we were on the beach, and we collected some samples of plants from the water and examined them. Nothing really special happened in the dream other than that. I woke up, forgot about it for a while, because during that time I wasn't keeping a dream journal. I'm not sure how many days passed in between the precognitive dream and the actual trip to the beach, due to how long it's been since then. Well, at least I remember that the beach excursion played out exactly like the dream. On the beach, I suddenly remembered a still image of that dream I had. That's how I've always remembered every precognitive dream. In other words, I always remember a still image of an event. The events are always something from a day-to-day life, something not that special, from looking through a car window or talking to someone or even browsing the internet. You know, it seems like you're kind of remembering locations and various events, again, on a very small scale before they happen. And sometimes I wonder if precognitive dreaming, right, if these premonitions can directly tie into deja vu. It makes you wonder. What if the two are directly related? What if they aren't? This show, of course, is all about looking and examining these issues with objectivity, but also being open-minded at the same time. Because it's good. It's good to, if anything, treat it as a thought exercise. But what if the two are connected? And what if that's how a lot of deja vu is explained because of these visions we get as, as premonitions in our dreams? Who's to say? food for thought, and absolutely fascinating no matter what it is. We've had a lot of correspondence from New York. We have another one. Hannah in New York has her thoughts on dreams. I want to talk about dreams today because it's basically my favorite subject ever. I took a few psychology classes and it was always the best part. So basically, there's a few theories about dreams that I find really interesting. So, in every psychology class ever, you'll learn about Sigmund Freud and the unconscious, which is basically what Freud believed to be thoughts that we have in our mind that we don't know actually exist. And I think that's the simplest way I can put it. So, Freud... Freud's way of explaining dreams would probably just be that those thoughts are coming out while we're, you know, unconscious. (laughs) Um, Another theory, which I think is a little far-fetched, but people who like the multiverse theory, um, they believe sometimes that dreams could be what is going on in a different dimension so what we see ourselves doing in our dreams is what we're actually doing in a separate version of of our reality Um, i don't personally believe that but i guess it's on the table dreams are possibly from 
early on in our evolution when we were, you know, in our primal stages, dreams were kind of there to ready us for when we were awake. So we would probably dream about um, hunting or being attacked and it would help us cope with that in the real world, which I think that's a pretty good way of um, justifying it. I'm not sure where that is generated in our mind, but um, it sounds pretty logical to me. I'm not sure, but I have a lot of anxiety dreams, like if I'm worried about being late for something, I'll have a dream about being late. So I don't know if that's tied into the primal preparation for the real world. That could be, I guess, a modernized version of it. So my dreams would be preparing myself for if I were late or warning my body to, you know, wake up so I'm not late. And that was from Hannah in New York. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and exploring a variety of the theories about dreams, including, of course, the Freudian approach to it, uh, that, again, it was perhaps going into the subconscious, uh, into our feelings, our thoughts, desires, and motivations. And uh, I've, I've heard about Freud many, many times. I mean, who's to say? And also, it's a very interesting uh, viewpoint about the possibility, anyway, that it could be into other dimensions. And like I said, we did get a lot of correspondence from New York, and let's keep it over there. Going over to John in New York City, his thoughts. Hi, this is um, John calling in about the topic for this week. Um, you know, I don't really believe in the whole, you know, premonitions thing or anything like that. It's, you know, I do think there's more to dreams than just random firing of neurons in, in your brain. I mean, you know... It Like most dreams incorporate things and memories that have already happened, whether it's that day or in your past, or things that are important to you. And, you know, they often have to do with the kind of media or things that you, you know, look at or understand before you go to sleep. So, yeah. I mean, people often say that it's just random firing of neurons and there's nothing to dreams. I think there's more to them than that, but... I don't think it's enough to predict the future or, you know, get premonitions. So, it's my two cents. Thank you. And thank you, John, for your thoughts. And, you know, I think I always try to tie everything together. I always try to incorporate everyone here. I think one thing that the majority of us can realize about dreams we can collectively agree on, even though we can't please everyone, I, I think we can collectively agree for the most part. No matter what it is, I think there is a lot about dreams we just don't know yet. We can take our best educated guesses, but this is just one of those things that science in its current form, though working on it, we just can't tackle it yet. There's always room for advancement and development, so we don't know what the future holds. Uh, let's go over to a listener who goes by the name KK. He says, this is KK. I had my first predictive dream when I was in prison. I saw a fight with my friend and a random inmate, the next day it happened. I would have no reason to suspect this inmate would be anyone we would even really associate with. I kept these dreams secret for a long time. I am 100% certain 
that dreams come from an external source. I'm assuming this entity does not want to be known and thrives off of a lack of evidence. Thank you for sharing. I think that was very interesting, the fact that you had these visions of this fight happening, of course, in the prison, and then it does. And, you know, like you said, this is someone that you didn't think, you know, you didn't think you were going to get in a, in a brawl with this guy. And what happens the very next day? Of course, we know with the prison system, it's always quite crowded. There's lots of people, not one person in particular. Very interesting. Uh, let's go over to Zachary in Arkansas. Hello, Review Bra. Enjoyed the show last week. All the feedback was interesting, to say the least. On your topic, I have had plenty of dreams that have foreshadowed events in my life. Whenever the event happens, I get a deja vu feeling that is indescribable. The thing is that, when the event I dream actually happens, it ends up happening a little differently than I dreamt. I can't remember the details at all, but my conclusion is that I'm peeking into alternate realities of my life, and that those are branching off points in that reality, if that makes sense. I'm a firm believer that dreams are a gateway to other realities, and that thought alone will always fascinate me. I look forward to the next show. Have a great week. Thank you, Zachary, for sharing your thoughts. It's interesting, you know, tying a few things together to what we were saying earlier in the programming, of course, with the deja vu topic, and also to what Hannah in New York was mentioning about the possibility of dimensions there, and dreams perhaps having that connection to an extent. That's very interesting. Uh, let's hear what Tyler in Kentucky has to say about dreams. Hello, Review Bra. I am a long-time listener, first-time caller. I would like to chime in on the uh, whole premonition deal. Now, whenever I was younger, I felt that I had premonitions, you know, like, I guess fairly often for what a premonition is. Um, yeah, and it'd always be something really minute. So I'd have a dream that I'm picking up a pencil and um, somebody will ask me something really specific like, oh yeah, how did the Great Wolf Lodge go last weekend? And you know, I'll forget all about it and then weeks and weeks later it'll happen and as soon as it happens I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh I've dreamed about this. But, on the other hand, who's to say that isn't the mind playing tricks on you? Because, you know, the human mind is kind of a, it's kind of a fickle thing. Uh, those are my two cents. Thank you, Tyler, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, either way, I, I can only imagine that feeling where you kind of, you have this dream, you forget about it, and then, boom, it comes back to you, and you're just kind of, wow, you know, wow that, that feeling. Right, thank you, Tyler. All right, we have a good piece of written correspondence coming in from Emma in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, United Kingdom. She says... Scientists have been performing sleep studies for decades, and still aren't 100% sure about the function of sleep, or why or how exactly we dream. I personally feel the general opinion of, quote, it's a time for the brain to sort out the day's activities, thoughts, and feelings, etc., unquote, is an accurate one, but nonetheless, it still opens a lot of intrigue and want for further analysis. Our dreams can be so elaborate, wacky, weird, hardly based in reality, and sometimes downright horrifying. I often have lucid dreams and sleep paralysis, two fascinating phenomenons, and I was wondering if you've experienced them too. 
again, just to interject real quick, you know, I have had, needless to say, I've had my rough nights, and uh, I do, I do recall, especially when I was young, I would have episodes of sleep paralysis. I'm fortunate enough not to have had too much recently. I'm very thankful for that. But lucid dreams on occasion, those can be fun, and I, I wish I could have them more sometimes, because I know the one thing a lot of people always say, when you have lucid dreams, you always want to fly at first. I know, anyway, continuing on with her letter. I'm not too sure if you've heard of Hutton's paradox, which asks the question, how do we know that our dreams aren't really reality? And that reality isn't but a dream. I was wondering your opinion on this interesting theory, some information on the subject. It's a paradox concerning dreams and the nature of reality described by the British writer Eric Bond Hutton in 1989. As a child, Hutton often had lucid dreams in which everything seemed as real as in waking life. This led him to wonder whether life itself was a dream, and whether he existed only in somebody else's dream. Sometimes he had pre-lucid dreams, in which more often than not, he concluded he was awake. Such dreams disturbed him greatly, but one day he came up with a magic formula for use in them. If I find myself asking, am I dreaming... It proves I am, for the question would never occur to me in waking life. Yet, such is the nature of dreams, he could never recall it when he needed to. Many years later, he wrote a piece on solipsism and his childhood interest in dreams. He was struck by a contradiction in his earlier reasoning. True, asking oneself, am I dreaming, in a dream, would seem to prove one is, yet... That is precisely what he had asked himself often in waking life. Therein lay a paradox. What was he to conclude? That it does not prove one is dreaming, or that life really is a dream? That was an absolutely fascinating read. She also says, I was also wondering your opinion on the currently primitive stages of research into dream recording. The latest info I found on this is the following... Independent dream researcher Daniel Aldis is putting together a team that plans the use of mobile MRI next summer to try to record the movement, speech, and images from the full dreams of three or four sleeping subjects. Aldis and the University of Texas at Austin's Cognitive Neuroscience Lab previously tracked dreamers' motor behavior. They succeeded in recording the movements of subjects' dreams using an electromogram, to gauge nerve impulses to the muscles. Oldest used the tech to turn himself into a walking avatar, and he presented the project at the International Association for the Study of Dreams in 2017. He estimates, though, that it can take 10 to 20 years to actually record a full dream movie. Now, I personally find this idea fascinating. Paul McCartney of the Beatles famously stated that the classic hits Yesterday and Let It Be came to him via his dreams. I'm sure Hollywood would love to get in on this and try to use a device to take a few ideas of their own for the big screen, and I personally think they need it. That was from Emma in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, United Kingdom. Thank you, Emma, for your letter. When you think about Hutton's paradox, it's absolutely fascinating. Can you really prove that life is not a dream? You know? It comes into one of those philosophical theories... In regards to life itself, of course, like the problem of the other minds, right? How can you prove 
that everyone else and everything else actually exists. Because you can only see things from your perspective, from your mind. How do you know that everything else is real, right? That everyone else is actually independent and aware and their own living, breathing, conscious thing. And isn't just some advanced form of AI, right? We don't. Uh, we just have to go with it. And that's what it kind of reminds me of. One of those things that, of course, uh, could, of course, would fundamentally change everything, right? Because you, you know, nothing would be real otherwise. So who's to say? That's really, that's a fascinating rabbit hole right there. Remember, I researched that a couple years back, and it always just leads to intrigue. And otherwise, I think, like you said, the process of dream recording, maybe one day that'll come to fruition, maybe it won't. But either way, I think it's a long way to go. And even if I imagine an optimistic team is saying that it'll take 20 years, it's a long ways away. At least, of course, for use, you know, commercially. Who knows what is already going on behind closed doors. For those of you tuning in, this is VORW International, the voice of the Report of the Week. Next week's topic is Bigfoot and cryptids. Bigfoot and all his cousins around the world. Bigfoot. The Yeti, Sasquatch, the Skunk Ape, the Yaren, you name it. Have you had an encounter, an experience, a sighting? Or do you know anyone who has? If so, send in your feedback. You can write in to me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Or, if you would prefer to record your experience... Uh, which is really a huge amount of fun. I actually, I encourage you to record your experience as audio and send it in as an audio file to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Likewise, even if you haven't had any experiences, I would like to have you on the show. What are your thoughts on this in general? Do you think these creatures exist? Right? You can believe in them without ever having experienced it. Do you think they exist, or do you not? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Record them, or write them down and send them in. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com And of course, any miscellaneous feedback, questions, and topic suggestions are welcome. Speaking of recordings, uh, let's go over to Nick in Cincinnati, Ohio. Hello there, Review Bra. <clears throat> My name is uh, Nick, and I'm calling from Cincinnati, Ohio. And, um... My thoughts on dreams are, you know, a mixed bag. Um, I have had a dream before where I, you know, experienced the same event later in real life, and I was like, oh, deja vu, freaky. And then I realized later that, oh, no, that's actually a dream I had. Um, most recently, I mean, it's happened several times, but most recently, um, I had a dream I was at band camp, and I was in, you know, the room where we keep all the drums that'll, like, um, it's this kind of like auxiliary room. Um, it's just kind of, it, there's no real purpose for it. It's just an empty room where we keep, you know, our drums and other equipment and things like that. And I, it was kind of like a nightmare almost. I was looking into the corner of the room and I was just like, wow, I'm super stressed and overwhelmed. And then we had, um, a rehearsal at that same spot. And I had the exact, like I looked into the corner and had the exact same feeling and it's not that I even was stressed or overwhelmed. It was just I had the same exact feeling I had in my dream. And it was one of the freakiest things. 
And so I don't really know what happens if it's some, you know, I've heard that deja vu is caused by short-term memory loss. Like, you know, it's just our brains malfunctioning or, you know, our brains like um, malfunctioning and making us think we've experienced this before and like causing that kind of like feeling to come across in our brains. But it's not, it really hasn't happened before. It's just like a fake feeling. So, I mean, you know, I, it really confuses me and, um, I don't really understand exactly how things like that happen because it is, it has happened to me before and I, it's boggling because like, how can you predict the future with your dreams? But it's happened and it's just, it's very interesting and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Thank you, Nick. Absolutely. I think that when it comes down to dreams, of course, like I've said before, there's just so much that we don't know about it and maybe deja vu and dreams can really be tied together. Who's to say? I, I think it's just really fascinating, no matter what. Uh, let's go over to Daniel in New Zealand. Haven't heard from many listeners over there. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Hi, John. This is Daniel from the Manawatu in New Zealand. I thought I'd like to weigh in on the topic of dreams. I'd say I've had a, a lot of interesting experiences, like most people have, I would imagine, with dreams. Um, I would describe some of these experiences as premonitions or synchronicity, like when I've had events the following day that have just, uh, they've seemed a bit too coincidental to not be. Um, for instance, when I was a child, when I was under the age of 10, I lost my mother to cervical cancer. And I can remember some of the dreams that I used to have before she passed away. And this one particular dream, I, it was the night before she had passed and I dreamt that she passed at night and the following night she did. Um, I still have dreams about her and of course my surviving parent uh, occasionally. I've also had dreams where I have met someone. Uh, one of these that comes to mind is I met a girl in one of my dreams as a teenager and this person seemed to be very similar to a girl in high school that I met within that week. I'm also a musician and there have been times where I've heard music in dreams, though there's only been one time where I've been able to actually go into the next room after I've woken up and been able to actually compose what I heard or similar to what I heard in a dream. Oh, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but um, there's the old saying, if you dream of someone, then they're thinking of you. And of course... Like a lot of people probably have, I've had dreams and then I've gotten a phone call from the person the next day or I've run into them. I think I think dreams do have meaning sometimes. I think a lot of the time it is just our brains uh, going through the events of what's happened during the day or the week. They're, def they're definitely... A very interesting thing that we don't understand completely. And thank you, Daniel, for your thoughts and feedback about dreams and premonition in dreams. I think those are some interesting thoughts there. 
and Tyler in the southeastern United States, writes, When I was a child, many years back, I had this strange dream. The dream was just me in some backyard in an unfamiliar house at night, and I was just staring at this light in the backyard, my back facing the house. It looked like a typical street light that you would see, but with nothing but woods behind it. And after staring at the light for a few seconds, it suddenly popped off and startled me, and I ran back to the house, to my mom who was standing there on the patio with an awning over it. It was sort of a small suburban home that was on the hill. About a year or so after the dream, my mother, little brother, and I moved houses, and when we did, the house had the same backyard that I saw in the dream, though the incident that happened in the dream never took place. Thank you, Tyler, in the southeastern United States. A dream essentially about a location, envisioning a location, and actually seeing and then being at this place, but seeing it in your dream, of course, before you were actually there. And I think as a few other listeners have mentioned, sometimes these premonitions will be vague in certain areas, whereupon they will have that broad picture but certain small details will either be changed or missing entirely. I think that's a good example of it, right? You had the broad picture of this location that was down. You were eventually there, of course. You lived there for a time. But the issue with that mysterious light in the woods never really transpired. I think that's really interesting. Thank you for taking the time to share it, Tyler. I think we can get over to two more listeners. Uh, This is another regular correspondent, and again, you can write in every single week, of course, due to the amount of correspondence that comes in. I can't always guarantee that it'll be aired, but uh, of course, if you do send in a recording, I think it increases your chances. Uh, It's just because we don't get as many recordings as pieces of written correspondence, so that's what it comes down to. It's another reason why I encourage it. Uh, But you can write in at any frequency you want, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Over to Armin in Germany. Welcome, Armin. Hi, Report of the Week. Hi, everybody who's listening. This is Armin once again from Germany. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I'd like to give my two cents, my ideas on today's topic, dreams. Um, As far as I have understood, dreams can be a mirror of reality. And sometimes mirrors can show us things that are far away, actually. And I know that's a lame comparison, but um, I'm convinced that our, our material world of dense atoms is being held together by something that is interconnective and something that doesn't care about our idea of time and our laws of nature. And I'm also convinced that there are human beings roaming this planet who are more prone to interact with these invisible forces. And I try to remember whether I have dreamt about something that became reality, but I don't think this uh, ever happened to me. However, something interesting happened to me uh, when I was a child. Like uh, many other people, I was haunted by by nightmares during my childhood. Um, But one dream literally, literally chased me night after night. And it was the same dream every night. I stood in my grandma's house And I walked towards the door at the end of the hallway. And every time I opened that door, the room behind it started screaming at me. And it started turning and it started twisting. And it was such a such a horrific, uh, such a horrific thing 
to me and I woke up in shock and I started crying every night over a course of, I don't know, one or two weeks, I can't really say. Um, so it went on for nights uh, until one night. It started as usual. I'm in that house. I walked towards the door. And before anything else could happen, I said, and now it's my time to scream. And uh, nothing happened after that. And the and the nightmare disappeared forever. So I didn't really make a conscious decision as a as a child to kind of defeat my nightmare in my dream. But um, what I'm trying to say is that dreams are probably not only a mirror or a reflection of of ourselves. I think they're are an extension of our being, of our of our existence. And um, I think it's something we'll never be able to understand a hundred percent, and I think that's uh, okay. And yeah, thank you. That, those were my two cents. I hope everybody is well. Thank you for the attention, and uh, bye for now. And thank you, sir, for your feedback, Armin in Germany. Uh, of course, I think you know keeping an open mind about it. That's exactly what I do. And, you know, I think what you're describing, of course, is like a, a recurring dream. And some of those, when you have one of those, when you're kind of dreaming the same thing repeatedly, it really starts raising questions. And sometimes it can be a good recurring dream. Other times when it's bad, oh, that can be, that can be creepy. Thank you, Armin. And then let's go over to Mark from the Redwood Forests, Santa Cruz, California. Sending in the final correspondence we can fit in for this show on the topic of dreams, predictive dreams, dream premonitions. However, there was one dream in particular that I consider the most significant paranormal experience that I've ever had and that I cannot explain in any natural way. It was a dream where I didn't simply have a premonition about the future, but I was literally watching a real event that I had no previous knowledge of happen in real time while I was asleep. Let me explain. I was just out of high school at the time, about 18 years old, and my friends and I were pretty hard partiers. On any given night, we would meet up and drink and smoke, sometimes with a small group of close friends and sometimes with a bigger group of acquaintances and strangers. Anyway, on this particular night, for whatever reason, I didn't feel like going out. I think I was tired or simply not in the mood to socialize, so I didn't bother calling any of my friends. And I just had a relaxing even evening at home and went to bed at my normal time around midnight. But while I slept, I started having an incredibly vivid dream. I was suddenly a bodiless observer inside my friend Caleb's house. And strangely, it looked like the real house, which is unusual for dreams in my experience. And for some reason, Caleb's dad was in a full-blown fit of rage, yelling at our mutual friend Eric. Now, this really startled me because Caleb's dad is this huge biker guy. He's well over six feet tall and has a big bulky frame and long dirty blonde hair and builds custom motorcycles for a living. I always say he kind of looks like Zach Wilde and Zeus put together. 
Um, he was always a really nice guy, but he was just that type of guy that you look at and you just think you don't want to piss off that guy. And in my dream, he was absolutely enraged at Eric. Uh, very quickly, the screaming escalated into a physical confrontation when Caleb's dad grabbed Eric by the shirt, dragged him down the hallway, ripped open the front door, and literally threw Eric out of the house, his body landing on the cement porch. And moments after this happened, I woke up. I remember having to go pee or something, and when I was doing so, I looked at the clock, and when I did, I saw that it was around 7 in the morning. Anyway, I didn't think much of it. I went back to sleep, later woke up, and went about the rest of my day not thinking much about the dream. Anyway, later that afternoon, I had plans to meet up at Caleb's house, which I did, and very quickly I noticed that Caleb was acting withdrawn and unusual. I asked him what was up, and he replied that him and Eric had been partying the night before, and they came back to Caleb's house to spend the night. However, in the middle of the night, Eric had to go to the bathroom, but was still drunk from their night out. And when he was trying to make his way back to Caleb's room, he accidentally went in the wrong door, and not only ended up in Caleb's sister's bedroom, but actually passed out in her bed while she was still in there. His sister started screaming, and quickly Caleb's dad busted in and became furious at Eric. And Caleb told me that his dad then grabbed Eric by the clothes, walked him down the hallway, and threw him out of the house. I remember getting goosebumps at this point because he literally just described the dream I had that morning. But there was also one other element. I asked Caleb what time all of this happened, and he said it happened early in the morning around 7 o'clock, which was the exact time I woke up from the dream I had where I literally saw this exact event take place, down to the specific details that Caleb described. So I literally saw a real event happen in real time, only I wasn't at the place I was dreaming and had no way to be aware of the event otherwise. I was completely awestruck at this point, but I didn't want to tell my friend because I thought he would just think I was crazy. Anyway, I thought, I've thought about this event many times since, and I simply can't come up with a natural explanation. I had no idea Caleb and Eric were out drinking that night. I had no idea Eric spent the night at Caleb's. And also, Eric wasn't someone who was part of our very close circle of friends. So him spending the night at Caleb's was not something that happened regularly at all. And the timing of my dream directly coincides with the actual events I was seeing. So it's almost like I had some sort of astral projection where I was watching real events happen in real time far away from my body. And I was in a dreaming state of consciousness. For these two events to occur by coincidence or chance, I think it'd have to be something like one in several trillion, which of course is plausible, but certainly not probable. Thank you, Mark, for your thoughts and your experience. I think that's absolutely fascinating, you know. Sometimes we just have these things that happen that we really just don't have any explanation for. And we can try and play around with the what-ifs, 
Maybe one of those what-ifs is true. Maybe one of those what-ifs is the explanation is the case. But dreams themselves are one of those subjects that just still has this air of mystery around it. It's still one of those things that is truly unexplained. Like, you know, Area 51 is one of those things that I think for most of us is unexplained. Right? At least in that broad circumstance. The people inside the facility know what's in there. They work with this. When it comes down to dreams, collectively as a species, we just don't know yet. Maybe some of those theories that we have are true. Maybe they're all wrong. We just don't know yet. And you know, even like that one experience I was saying earlier in the show, I know it's not much. And maybe it just was an incredible coincidence. But it's still weird when you think about it. I mean, the odds, right, that this happened... It's just really weird. That's all that I can say about it. And it was one of those weird topics. That's why I wanted to dedicate a show to dreams, to predictive dreams. Because it's something that's emerging. It's an emerging discussion nowadays. People are kind of opening up to it. They're talking about it more and more. Dreams are still an uncertainty. We all have our theories about it. And it's one of those things I just wanted to say, look, we're not alone in it. It's something that I think a lot of us have dealt with. And we all have our viewpoints, our opinions on it, and I wanted to dedicate a show to it. Because I think in dreams, it's one of those things that happens to us every single night. I think it's almost proven we dream about five to six times a night. We don't necessarily remember all of them, but it happens, yet it's such a common thing that we know so little about. And I think that right there is fascinating. It's such a huge mystery that's right there before our eyes, and we just haven't a true solid, conclusive answer to it all. Do they really predict things? Do they not? At this point, we just don't know. Thank you so much for all of you that shared your experiences, your thoughts, and your feedback, and even to everyone who we weren't able to get on the air, we weren't able to read. I did read all of your responses, and you did leave some marvelous insight and viewpoints. I don't think that you were neglected and that it was never seen. It was. And thank you to all of you who wrote in. Of course, any topic suggestions and miscellaneous feedback, even just a piece of correspondence to let me know that you are listening is welcome uh, to vorwinfo at gmail.com. Also, your financial support is appreciated. Last week, look, the show got dinged. It got demonetized. I guess advertisers don't like Area 51. So, you know, it's, that's the story right there. It got the yellow, the yellow seal of death. And by the time it finally got approved, you know, never really materialized, made some pocket change, but nothing of any substance that can keep things going. The video I did on the main channel also got hit. So Area 51 isn't a safe topic, but like I said, it's it's not something that I'm gonna I'm gonna change. I'm not gonna change the show because of that. But I need your help, that's why. I don't wanna change the show and beat around the bush and, you know, make it something just for one thing. Right? So in order to keep that from happening and to keep things going, please send a donation if you can. Anything helps. Uh, $20, $50, $100. Operating costs are continuous, so please help if you can. You can donate via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com or via Patreon, patreon.com slash the report of the week even if you can only spare five ten dollars if everyone came together 
would never have to ask would never have to ask again. You know? None of these other platforms that I'm on are monetized, even though I'm on so many, and each one gets thousands of listeners each. iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, SoundCloud, the International Shortwave, and even, of course, in some cases, YouTube. None of those are monetized. So it's donations and donations alone that fuel this show. So those are the ways you can support, and I really, I need it, and I appreciate it. To those of you that donate, I send a thank you letter to everyone that does, because I, I want you to know that your support is truly appreciated. Now, I promise you at the beginning of the show that I'm going to be getting to some random topics. The show is going to be a little longer today, and that's all right, because I'm not going to leave you hanging. Let's go to a few. Michelle in Los Angeles, California writes, I'm a great admirer of your style and how much effort you put into your look and appearance. I would love to know who some of your style influencers are and if there's a particular time period that you're fond of. There's a definite blend of the golden age of Hollywood and radio broadcasting demeanor and character that you pull off flawlessly. So thank you for writing in, Michelle. You know, there was never one single influence. It's not like I was sitting there watching a classic movie one day and said, yeah, you know, I want to dress like this or or that. Um, Rather, it was just a blend of things. I think at first, it just started off years ago by looking at old pictures and old videos, nothing specific, and just thinking, you know, this is how I want to dress. And, of course, nowadays, my style has changed somewhat. Uh, You know, I really enjoy dressing in 1980s and 1990s styles of suits, especially the Wall Street look, like a Wall Street businessman, white-collar worker from the 80s and 90s. I, I enjoy that. That's, that's something that I'm, I'm a fan of. Uh, but again, there's no one thing that kind of says, I want to look like this person. But for instance, as I'm sitting here tonight recording the show, yeah, people would, oh, they would freak out if they saw what I was wearing right now, but this is what I want to wear. Right, I'm wearing some gray triple pleated uh, dress pants from the probably the mid-90s, a gray short-sleeve dress shirt, a uh, gray and kind of red pattern wide necktie from the 90s, you know, very just dark shoes, you know, just dark colors, very plain, but... Just like, you know, a 1990s white-collar outfit. So I think I just look at an era in general and go with it, but not any one specific person or resource. Uh, When it comes down to the time periods, I'm happy with the present. Look, I have my complaints. I don't like a lot of things about this world and society, uh, but that goes for any decade. And I would rather stay in the present than go back to the past. And... One of the biggest disappointments that I remember I had when I was when I was younger, I remember I tried to associate with like some of those forums and groups uh, that like really liked the 1940s and stuff. And some of them were such cruel people because my suits weren't vintage enough, you know, and they just were not nice people. A lot of them it doesn't go for everyone. But for me, I'm, I'm like, look, wear what you want to wear. If you want to wear all authentic 1940s suits, that's fine. But if you're wearing a tie from the 40s and a modern suit, then look, that's fine. Wear what you want to wear. I'm not going to go and I'm not going to shout obscenities or profanities at you 
uh, because one article of clothing isn't vintage or doesn't conform to those standards that I myself adhere to, right? I might set my, my standards for myself, but it applies to no one else. You wear whatever you want to wear. That's where it comes from. Uh, Jacob in Denmark says, I've been listening to the podcast the last couple months, and I've really been enjoying the recent topics about the paranormal and therefore wondered, would you continue to have these segments on your broadcast even after the whole Area 51 craze is over? Absolutely, Jacob. These are listener favorites, and they're really fun for me to record. Uh, you know, this is a free-form show, so it's about whatever I want to talk about, and lately I've really... I've been wanting to talk about, you know, these types of topics. So that's what the show is about. And it's a free-form program, so that's just where it stands. But, yeah, they're going to continue for as long as they continue, for as long as people want to hear them. And there's always room in every show for other topics as well, just like just like the ones we're getting to right now. So thank you, Jacob. Yes, they will continue, but the show is always going to have a little bit of a blend, best way to put it. Uh, James is checking in. And he writes, recently I flew back home from Australia, uh, to Australia from New Zealand. I left at about 10 p.m. New Zealand time, and it reminded me how much I love flying at night. I relatively like flying, but flying at night gives me one of the best indescribable feelings. I'm not sure why I love it so much more than flying during the day. What are your thoughts? I like flying during the night as well. And I'll tell you personally why I like it. I don't know if there's any sort of blanket explanation. I think sometimes we just like it because we like it. But the reason why I like flying at night is because, number one, it can be soothing, right? If they dim the lights in the cabin and just the, the gentle, you know, the gentle roar of the engines. It's not really a, a roar, though. You know, that kind of just droning sound inside the plane is kind of soothing because of the consistency it has eventually. The seats, if you're on a nicer airline, even JetBlue, could be comfortable. And especially if you have the window seat, and you're looking out at everything, and you can see all the distant lights, and it's like it's such a beautiful view. You know, I always like these high-altitude pictures, and there you are in the dark, just up so high, 30, 40,000 feet, looking over so many hundreds of miles, seeing all these towns and cities and the world below, and the clouds in the distance, and it's just, it's beautiful, it's breathtaking. That's why I like it. You know, that, that's why I'm a fan of flying at night. But I think we all have our different reasons, and sometimes we just like it because we like it. And then Henry checks in. Uh, could you make a show on the end of the world? Well, thank you for your suggestion, Henry. Topic suggestions are always welcome. Now, that's some dangerous territory right there, but I'm not going to cross it off completely, so you never know what will happen. And, of course, just wait and see what happens, my friend. If you have any topic suggestions, you're always welcome. And with that, I'm going to be concluding today's broadcast of VORW International. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. Hope you all enjoyed the show, and be sure to tune in again next week for our show about Bigfoot and all his international companions. Thank you. Please support the show. We need your help, and I hope you can tune in again next week. Until then, take care. This is VORW. And I hope you have a wonderful start to your month of August. Have a pleasant day, night, or whenever you're listening. I'll see you next week.